that uh, as you're getting there, let me, let me just pray for us once again. Lord, we, we recognize that, um, Lord, you, uh, you are the giver of all good things. You know, there's a lot of joy when a baby comes into the world. Lord, let us rejoice over the birth of Jesus in the same way. Lord, as we open your word together, please speak to us. Use me however you can. Lord, where I don't have the right words, speak yourself by your Holy Spirit to each heart. Lord, I pray that you will open your word in such a way that um, it'll change us from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me uh, tell you a little bit about the, the Christmas story this morning. Um, we, uh, Craig and Ian read a little bit, you know, a little passage. We're going to actually use some of that passage this morning, but I want to put some more in con- context for you. Um, so uh, Joseph, of course, don't, don't know how old Joseph was, but it was typical that a Jewish man would, would have a trade by the time he got married. Um, so he, was pro- he could be, you know, in his mid to upper 20s or so. Don't really know. It's a guess, so I could be totally wrong in that. But, um, you know, he, he more than likely had a trade and was able to get enough money in order to get married. Okay, so he was, more, he was older than Mary. Um, typically, a Jewish young lady, uh, when she got married, was um, maybe around 8th grade. So between 13 and 15 years old. Um, so you've got uh, kind of an, what we would consider an age gap there. Um, and Mary and Joseph were betrothed. And that's a word we don't really use today. Um, we, say, we, we say engaged. They were, they're engaged to be married. Um, betrothal was a little bit more than what we would consider engagement. En- engagement is, a, is kind of a, a verbal agreement that here in the somewhat near future, we're, we're going to get married. Um, for them, this be, the idea of, of being betrothed was a, um, it was a serious, like we, we are basically married. We're, we're not going to physically be married yet, but in order to break the betrothal, we'll have to get a divorce, okay? So it wasn't like, oh yeah, I decided not to marry you. We'll just go our separate ways. It was, hey, this is, this is almost you know, virtually a legal agreement that we're going to be married, but we're just not going to consummate the marriage yet, okay? So that was the idea of betrothal. And, um, you know, a lot of times still it was a, um, an arranged marriage that um, the, the uh, parents got everybody together and said, hey, yeah, this, is gonna, this will be a good match. So that's how we get with um, Joseph and Mary. And now consider Mary as a uh, young lady, uh, I said last week, probably around Kalen's age, you know, somewhere curious to Kalen's age, um, and an angel says, hey, you're going to have a baby. And at the same time, there's a, um, uh, a call to have a, uh, a census be taken. And so Mary and Joseph know that they've got to go 
uh, from Galilee to Bethlehem. And at this, by this time, Mary is quite ready to have a child, all right? And they have to go about 90 miles from Galilee to Bethlehem. Now, we might say, you know, 90 miles, that's not too much. I mean, when, when, uh, when we were having our kids, our hospital was about 30, 30 miles away, 35 miles away. So, yeah, 90 miles, not, not a big deal. Well, for them, okay, it's, it's a little bit more of a big deal, especially when you are, are big, you know, with baby, and um, you may or may not have a donkey to travel, and you've got to get there by foot. 90 miles, it would probably take about four to five days of travel for them to get from um, Galilee where they were to Bethlehem. So it's not, not an easy feat. And uh, when they get there, Bethlehem was probably between 500 and 1,000 people. You know, or have no, not, don't really have a way of knowing partic- in particular, but it's not a, not a huge place, very small. Um, think about uh, Joseph and Mary. From what we can tell, both, le- both of them were, had some Davidic lineage. So this was a, a trek home for them. Uh, we don't know for sure, but it, it's very possible that they still had land there. You know, you, there wouldn't be a reason to go back to the place of your heritage if you didn't have some sort of land. Don't know, it's a guest, okay, so I could be wrong in that. But it seems like they more than likely had some relatives, possibly even had some land holdings. They're going home. If, if you think about it, you know, um, some of you have visited the place of, of your origin, okay, if you will. Um, we, uh, uh, Ruth's family comes from Maine, and we go up there usually every summer, and um, we, we tell the girls, hey, this is where um, your mom's family landed when they came over from Scotland, okay? This is, this is the place of, of, this is where um, mommy's great, 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 great grandparents were, you know, this is, so, you know, it's the idea of this is, this is the place of, of where something significant happened. A lot of people go to Boston, you know, because that's where a lot of significant things for the country happened, or go back to Philadelphia and where they um, had the first congresses. You know, that we like to do that. In a, in a lot of ways, this is what they were doing. They were going back to Bethlehem, to the place where David had grown up. The, the, the great king of Israel who... That's my great, 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 great grandpappy, right? You know, we're going to go back home. And when, we, when, we, when they get there, um, it says there was no room in the inn. So, um, you know, they didn't have a light on at the Motel 6. Actually, um, I think probably there's a little bit better translation. See, Eastern hospitality... Uh, would demand that you take somebody in. That's really how the Eastern hospitality was. I mean, it doesn't matter where they get to sleep, but you, you take them in when they get there. Um, and the word for, for in there is not so much of a, an in like we think it. it like they did have a word um, for in, uh, and it's used um, uh, with the uh, Good Samaritan. So it was a place for travelers. The, the word here for inn is, is more of a, um, a guest room. So when they got there, there wasn't a, the guest room wasn't available. So they probably had to sleep in the family room. 
said they, uh, you know, something along those lines. So they found a place um, to, sorry, I'm, I'm bursting some people's Christmas bubble, sorry. <laughs> they, but they found a place to come and stay. Now, um, I want you to think about this because as Jesus is about to be born, uh, I've probably mentioned this in here before, but I want to mention it again. He's born in Bethlehem, which means what? House of bread. Okay, so Jesus is the bread of life, right? Born in a bakery. Where else would you get bread? Right? This is what God does, okay? They're, they're, he, he, I mean, where, where else would it come from, right? So I mean, God makes it so that Jesus, who's the bread of life, comes. He's born in Bethlehem. He's born in the bakery. And he's born in a, a house or a room that um, they say there's a stable Okay, what, what a lot of people did in those days is um, they had a, kind of a, a multi-level type thing where um, they would actually invite their animals into their home at night where they would stay up kind of on a second level and they would bring their animals into the first level to kind of keep them warm. And I'm sure it smelled really good, you know, the nice aroma of the, of the cows below you every night. But that, that's kind of how it was. And inside that room, uh, in the lower level, they would have a feeding trough. A lot of times this feeding trough was made out of stone. It was a lot, if, you, if they were, um, sometimes the homes were kind of cut into a, a cliff. Uh, you might have a, a home in, in a cave sort of dwelling. And these feeding troughs were act, would be cut out of the earth in that stone that they just kind of hollow out a place where they could um, put food or put water, either one, into this trough. And this is where they put Jesus because um, uh, they, they didn't have a guest room available, so they used the feeding trough. Now, um, we just took the communion at the table of the Lord. And of course, you know, Jesus is the bread of life. He's the you know, he provides the water that we need. And where do they lay him? They lay him in a place of food and water. This Jesus. Um, now let me read this once again. In the, in the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. But it says Christ the Lord. It's really kind of an interesting phrase. They, just, they smash those two words together. And it's, it's the Lord Christ. It's, it's Christ the Lord. I mean, it's, it's very, very hard to translate. I think it's a good one that says Christ the Lord. But um, it's this, this combination. He is the King and God. Now, let me tell you a little bit about um, where uh, Bethlehem is situated. Uh, because this gives us an idea of the birth of Jesus and when it happened. You know, we, we, we think about, um, you know, it came upon a midnight clear, 
probably in September-ish, actually. So it says that the shepherds were in the fields. Now, Bethlehem is situated in, in an area that's um, kind of unusual in that um, to, to one side there are um, pasture lands, okay? Uh, this is where they would, would have their, their sheep or their goats or, or um, you know, the things that they would, you know, camels, um, you know, they, they would pasture them out that way, okay? Um, they, they, I've, I've heard it said this way that, um, you know, Israel is the land of milk and honey. Uh, that's actually, um, it says of two different types of things. So the, the milk comes from herds, right? And honey... Um, comes from bees. It comes from um, cultivating a crop. So it's going to be a place of, of wealth in herds and wealth in crops. And Bethlehem is situated in such a place that you can have both of those. You have the herds, and not too far out, you've got the pasture lands for the herds. And um, you have a strip in there that would be fields where they planted um, like barley and wheat. Okay, the fields, and then you also have basically what you, you know gardens, small gardens. It would be for your family garden that would you would uh, it would not be very big, um, but that's where you plant your more of your your um, home garden crops. Um, but the fields is where um, they they planted the wheat and the barley, and this is this going to provide the bread for the people that for the homes for the entire year, okay? So this is a very important crop. If you want bread to eat for the entire year, you got to plant your wheat and your barley. Now, for the, um, for the people in the area, they would reap the wheat crop in, uh, in June sometime. Now, who, who, who here has been around sheep at all? Anybody here been around sheep or goats? All right. Would you want your sheep and goats in your fields before the harvest? What's going to happen? <laughs> right? And you know you have you have no more harvest. So the shepherds knew this, okay? Um they would keep their flocks out in the, in the pasture land until after the harvest time. Then they would kind of start to congregate because what they, they had this system that they would, um, after the harvest, they would let the shepherds come into the fields after the harvest. Now, from, from my understanding, um, if, if a sheep got into one of those fields um, before the harvest, it was a dead sheep. Okay, because uh, it, it, that's it, you know, and, and maybe the shepherd too, okay? You, you don't, because, I mean, this is, it's serious business. This, is, this means war. You get the sheep in there, I mean, you are taking away somebody's food for the rest of the year. So the shepherds would start to move in, and after the harvest, they, they let the shepherds come into the field with their sheep. And the sheep would do a couple things. They would start turning up the field with, you know, they would eat all the stuff that was left, and they would um, th- they would leave a little bit of fertilizer, 
so that when they, they planted the next harvest in no in, I'm sorry, not planted the harvest, planted the seeds for the next harvest in November, it would already start to be churned up and um, fertilized for them. Okay, so we, we celebrate December 25th, but really it was at the time of um, right after the harvest that the, uh, the shepherds would come into the fields. And it was about the time of what they call Sukkot or tabernacles. Tabernacles. When the angels came, said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news for great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly there appeared with the angel. So you got one angel, then you got a multitude, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. And then, of course, when the angels go to heaven, they go to Bethlehem and find uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus in the manger. Now, this actually, um, uh, this, I believe, is referencing the passage in Zechariah, which um, Craig and Anne read a moment ago. And as I said, this is, this is a very tabernacles thing to, to say with the angels. And I'm, I'm going to try to tie this together here in just a moment, okay? So Zechariah 2. Um, let's just, let me just start reading verse 10. It says, Sing for joy and be glad, O daughter of Zion, for behold, I'm coming, and I will dwell in your midst. Okay, the idea of tabernacles is that um, Jesus will be with us. The, um, when the Israelites celebrated um, tabernacles, it was, the whole point was for them to remember that they came out of Egypt and they had to dwell in tents as they, they went from Egypt to um, Mount Sinai and from Sinai to the Promised Land. And when they dwelled in the tents, um, God would come either in the, uh, the pillar of uh, fire or in the cloud, right? And he, he was in the, uh, in the camp with them, right? So the whole idea of, of God um, tabernacling is that he would be with the people, by the way, in John 1, the, towards the end, it says that, um, I'm not, I hate it when that happens. You get a verse and you can quote it all the time and all of a sudden it leaves your... Uh, it says that he will come and tabernacle with us. Um, Well, I will think of it here in just a second. It's in John 1. Uh, but the idea is that, uh, that, he, that um, Jesus would, would they specifically, he specific, this, excuse me, specifically uses the word tabernacled 
to be with us. Okay, so the idea is that um, the whole idea of Sukkot, the whole idea of Jesus coming with, in Sukkot uh, in tabernacles is that he's come to be a part of us. And we know Emmanuel, right? That was perfect. God with us, revealed in us. Um, Ze- so Zechariah 2, then verse 11, many nations will join themselves to the Lord that day and will become my people. I will dwell in your midst and you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. The Lord will possess Judah as his portion in the Holy Land and will choose, and again choose Jerusalem. Um, I missed the verse that I was... Let me just read some of this other... Um, verse 4. Run, speak the... Uh, to that young man saying, Jerusalem will be inhabited without walls because of the multitude of men and cattle within it. God will be a, a wall of fire for us. Uh, I, verse 5, I will be a wall of fire around her. Praise God, we need that. Ho there, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have dispersed you as the four winds of the heaven, declares the Lord. Ho, Zion, escape you who are living with the daughter of Babylon, for thus says the Lord of hosts, after after glory, he has sent me against the nations which plunder you. For he who touches you touches the apple of my eye. I will wave my hand over them so that they will be plundered for their slaves. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me. Oh, yeah. Sing for joy and be glad, O daughter of Zion. For I will dwell in your midst, declares the Lord. Sing for joy and be glad. So the idea of there is joy in the presence of the Lord. There is joy in the presence of the Lord. Let me say that one more time. There's joy in the presence of the Lord. Now, I, I got to tell you, um, as I was praying over and contemplating this message I love to preach. I really do. It's, it's the thing I probably love most in life. This is a message that I'm not sure I wanted to preach. Because I know what time we're living in. And a lot of times people don't want to hear, you know, if, when they're going through something, they don't oftentimes want somebody to come up and say, hey, look, just be happy. I don't want to be happy. Do you know? Do you know what's going on in the world? I I got a a, a text message last night from um, Tony and Bev Resendiz, and um, they said, you know, one of our best friends has just died of COVID. Our pastor's family has it. The worship leader's family has it. Don't know that we're having church on Sunday, um, and. You know, I, I was contemplating, like, how do I preach this to, how would I preach this to their congregation? Be joyful. <laughs> we, we just experienced a death. We just experienced everybody getting sick. The doors are shut to the church. Be happy. And I know a lot of us in here have experienced a lot of those same things in the last year whether it's 
you know, sickness or some sort of, um, you know, a loss of income or a loss of job or um, family issues or, you know, there are so many things that, that we have all experienced in the last year and a half to two years that to come along and say, I want you to be happy, is just really hard to say. I think we want to be happy. I think we want the joy in our hearts. But to just come along and say, there's joy in the Lord, won't you just get it? It's not easy. And it's not easy for us who a lot of times, you know, that what we've experienced is anything but joyful. And I'm hoping that I will be able to hopefully bring a sort of a key here in a little bit that will help. But first, I, what I want to do is, you know, um, the, as I said, there's joy in the presence of the Lord. And, you know, I, I want to make sure, because... Is is that true? That's one of the questions that people always ask. You know, and uh, flip over with me to a Psalm chapter sixteen. I know I'm, we're bouncing around a little bit, uh, but when when I can actually put another scripture um, in front of everybody to to make sure that what I'm saying is actually lining up, sometimes it's okay. Psalm sixteen. Right in the middle of the Bible, um, and I just want to read the whole thing. It's a, it's a short, pretty short psalm. It says, "This is a, um, a psalm of David." Um, don't know exactly what David's going through at this point, but it says, "Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in you." I said to the Lord, "You are my Lord. I have no good beside you." As for the saints who are in the earth. They are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied. I shall not pour out their drink offerings of blood, nor will I take their names upon my lips. The Lord is the portion of my inheritance in my cup. You support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me because he is my, my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also will dwell securely. For you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is the fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forever. Don't know exactly what David was going through, but we, it seems from the psalm that he was going through something difficult. All right? That he, it, it starts off basically with this difficulty that he's going through, but then he kind of builds and says, but God, God will take care of me. And then he gets to the end point of saying, in your presence... There's fullness of joy. And in your right hand, pleasures forever. I may be going through the difficult time now. Hello? Anybody else? But there's 
There is joy in the presence of the Lord. So how do we, so let me tell you some hindrances that I have found in my life to being in the presence of the Lord. And then I want to tell you what I believe is a key um, to receiving some joy. Um, but if, if the joy is found in the presence of the Lord, there's some things that we do or don't do that keep us from being in his presence. So number one, one of the keys for being in his presence is time. Time. I know, um, you know, maybe, maybe the Lord works differently for you, but in my own life, um, I found sometimes it will take two to three hours before I actually hit the point of being in God's presence. Two to three hours of prayer. Two to three hours of just listening to the Lord. Two to three hours of, of you know, worship. Two to three, just, just to get there. And, you know, I'm, I'm concerned a lot of, you know, uh, American Christians, it's, um, you know, they, they, they hope, they're hoping to get to where they need to be in a five-minute prayer. You know, it's, it's a micro-generation. I'm going to get my prayer in today, boom, 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 and we're done, right? And it just takes time. It takes time to get into his presence. Now, I will say this, once you get there, the next day it's easier. Maybe it's three hours the first day, and the next day you come back and it's two hours and 45 minutes. Right? And then the next day it's two and a half hours. And then, you know, and then eventually you're getting to a point where you, you, you walk in and it's oh, 15, 20 minutes, and you're, you, you, all of a sudden you walk into the presence of the Lord and it's a lot easier. But it, to initially get there and start practicing the presence of the Lord, it takes time. And if you're not willing to uh, pray the price, okay, if you're not willing to take the time to actually get into the presence of the Lord, then um, I, I can't help you. Sorry. I, I tell you, in, in, my own, in my own life, um, there's been very few times where it's been pretty instantaneous. Um, I know... Uh, there have been times I've cried out to the Lord and cried out to the Lord and and, um, I can only think of one time in my entire life when I went to the Lord and I was just I was upset I was about to scream at him and all of a sudden his presence was there but all of the all out of all the other times I've gone to the Lord and I'm passionate going to and and just saying Lord this is what's going on it's not instantaneous time. I want to encourage you, take the time. If you want to get into the joy of the Lord, it takes time. Pray the price. I, uh, I heard someone say it um, uh, one time. They, they were talking about um, getting into church and, and praise and worship. And, and um, one pastor was talking to the other. And he said, I don't know how you guys do it. It takes us, it takes us 20 minutes of singing just to um, shake the world off of us after we get into church. And that's kind of what it is. You have to, you have to get into, uh, you have to, you have to get into prayer and kind of shake all the wor- dust of the world off before you can get into the presence of God. Say time is, is number one to get into his presence. Num- number two 
you need a um, you need to check with the Lord on um, on forgiveness issues. Okay, a lot of times I've 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 come to the Lord and I've started praying and you know I'll sense that He wants to tell me something or I I'm not quite getting there, and oftentimes if, if I will say, okay, Lord, is there is there a sin in my life I need to uh, repent of? And once he said, yep, there it is, repent of that. I said, okay, I'll take care of it right now. And then all of a sudden, um, whatever he's trying to say to me or being in his presence, all of a sudden it's right there. So if there's sin in your life, do you need to forgive someone who sinned against you? The same thing. Because if you're harboring sin, you know, it's, it's right after the Lord's Prayer. It's amazing. You know, it says, forgive us. And if you haven't forgiven anybody else, the Lord's not going to forgive you. Ouch. Right? If, you're, if you are not forgiving someone else, it's going to keep you from being in his presence. And if there's, some, if there's a sin in your life that you need to ask for forgiveness, you've got to make sure to take care of that too. Because that will keep you from being in his presence. Now, God's God and he can do whatever he wants to do. And if he wants to grace you with his presence before you do any of that, he can do it. And he will. And he has at times. But I'm, I'm talking about more of the normal practice. Okay? So, time, forgiveness issues. Okay? And the third one's a lot easier to take care of, but you need to keep it in mind. All right? The devil doesn't want you to get into the presence of the Lord. Okay? He doesn't want you to do it, so he's going to try to throw up roadblocks wherever he can. But the good thing is, is, is he is pretty easily defeated, all right? But you have to keep it in mind anyway. So a lot of times I've, I found myself, I'm, I'm praying, and um, in order to really start getting into his presence or to start hearing from him, I need to bind every hindering spirit that would, they would be trying to um, keep that from taking place. Now, re- remember Daniel? This happened with Daniel. Daniel goes, and he's fasting before the Lord, and it's 21 days before the angel comes. And he says, I was hindered, right? I was hindered in the heavenlies by the prince of Persia. Right? But then your angel came and, and helped me out, and I was able to come and bring the answer to you. So you need to... Bind the, the powers of, of darkness, right? Bind the hindering spirits. Bind whatever else might be taking um, place that would hinder you from actually hearing from the Lord. Now, I think the big ones are you got to take the time to get there. you got to make sure and, and repent of any stuff that you need to repent of or forgive anybody. The, the third is the easier one. But it's also necessary. Take care of any of the powers of the air that need to be taken care of, okay? Because that will block things up as well. So getting into his presence, because in his presence is where you find the joy. Thank you. The fullness of joy. But you know, the, uh, the thing is, is it's his joy. It's his joy. You see, I think what our problem is a lot 
with the issue of joy is that we, um, we tend to think it's something that we need to work up. We're upset that somebody comes to you and says, but you need to have joy. And you're, you're looking inside yourself and you're saying, I don't have any. What do you mean I need to have joy? Go to your own home and have joy in your own house and leave me alone. Come on, let's be real. <laughs> okay. And it's okay to realize that you don't have the joy because it's not yours. It's like, it's, you know, if I, had, if I had a cup of coffee, and, and some of you may drink coffee, so you, but pretend with me, like, boy, this is really good coffee, right? Right? And, and, you, and I say to you, isn't this really good coffee? And you say, I have no idea. I don't have any. But I hand you this cup. You say, try it. Then you would know. It's God's joy. Right? And it doesn't matter if you have any or not. He can share it with you. So in those times that we, let's face it, the joy's gone out of us. We're facing all kinds of stuff. We've got anxiety. We've got pressure. We've got depression. We've got family issues, we have financial issues, we've got work issues, we've got um, friend issues, we've got, you, you name it, and, and we, we've got sickness, or we've got disease, or we've got you know, people who have been close to us who, who have passed away, and we're sitting there going, I, I'm empty. The good thing is, is God has joy for us. And he can bring the joy and give it to us. Amen. So, I want to do something a little bit different today. Um, hey, Kyria, come here, sweetie. I, I'm putting her on the spot. I knew I was going to put her on the spot, but I didn't want to tell her I was going to put her on the spot <laughs> so that she wouldn't worry about it. Come here. Take your mask off. I, I want to tell you something about this little kid here. Ooh, that was loud. <laughs> From the time she could smile, I don't know that she's ever woken up without a smile on her face. Even when she cries, she smiles. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This kid has joy overflowing. In fact, we had a friend. Um, he, uh, he was staying with us one time, and he said, I don't know how to explain it except that she has command over joy. <laughs> it's like God has just put it within her So, you know, as, as a pastor, what I'm supposed to do is find gifts and then empower those gifts to work. 
So I'm going to have Kyria pray to release joy over anyone who needs it this morning. Okay? So I'm going to, um, I, I'm going to ask everyone to uh, just bow their head in, in just a moment. But this is what I want you to do. Is if, if you need the joy of the Lord in your heart this morning, and I don't know what you're, what's going on in your life. I don't, don't need to know. God knows, right? And you might be empty as all get out. And you need to say, you know what? I need the presence of the Lord. And I need some of the joy that God has for him to give me. All right? I just want you to put your hand over your heart if that's you. And... Um, I'm going to ask you to pray. Would you pray over everybody? Sure. Why don't you come over here towards the mic, okay, so that people can hear you. All right? All right, let's pray together. Dear Lord, um, thank you for giving us joy, and please give, us e- please give each and every one of us joy. And thank you that you are, you are our joy. And... Thank you that you've put joy in our lives, and please continue to help us be joyful, and thank you for giving our, thank you for giving us your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. And I'm going to further put you on the spot just a little bit, okay? Um, if if somebody, um, you know, I, I, I believe you absolutely um, are able to receive right there from your seat, but if you want someone to just lay their hands on you and pray and to release that joy, Come talk to Kyria here and have her just put her hands on you and pray for you. Will you do that? Okay. Thank you. All right, let me, um, let me just uh, give a blessing. We've already prayed, but I'm just going to bless everyone and uh, before we're released. Lord, I, I thank you so much. Thank you for just who you are, Lord. And now, in the name of the Lord Jesus, with the authority that you have have placed upon me, I bless each and every person here, those who are are listening at home, those who uh, aren't with us this morning that are connected uh, with us in in heart and in spirit. I give a blessing, uh, a blessing of protection, a blessing of of peace, a blessing of prosperity, of joy, the fullness of joy to be upon us, upon us and our families. Lord, that you would go before us, that you'd be a rear guard, and that, Lord, as your word said, that you would be that fire about us, that nothing uh, it would be able to come near us that hasn't come through that fire and been completely purified by you. Lord, I thank you for it. 
Lord, we give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen.